car caught with your tone. Are you telling me you go to the time machine? Good Lord. There is no screen. You got us on the bus. Ivanka Joy is good. Get away from her, you bitch! Well, let me finish the movie. I only have one rule. Everyone fights, no one quits. Hey everybody, welcome to the Sci-Fi Sunday Podcast. Uh, joining me today, I'm Dave Dawson, but joining me today <laughs> is uh, my dear friend Whitney Wegman-Wood. Hi David, how are you? I'm tired. Yeah, you've yeah. been doing a lot of traveling, so understandable. Yeah, I was all the way up in uh, Muskoka, Canada, just north of Toronto, eh? Uh, <laughs> as of this time yesterday, so I'm... I'm pretty beat. Yeah. Yeah. Understandable. Understandable. Time, time changes and all of that business. Yeah. It was a a 20 hour day for me yesterday between working and flying home. So that's, that's crazy. Feel a bit like a zombie, (laughs) but you know, uh, the Lord made the day in seven days. So, you know, what's 20 hours (laughs) speaking of the Lord. This episode yes. is uh, you and me chatting about Amazon Prime series Good Omens. Yes. Yes, it is. Um, you like that segue? That was a good segue. I, right? I did. That was a good segue. Very good segue. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, Good Omens, uh, hugely anticipated release, right? Like, everybody was really psyched about it. I think I, I texted you, like, the I, I was on instagram or something and there was uh the red carpet thing i'm like oh my gosh you know it it drops this weekend it drops tomorrow sunday and then you text me back and you're like no it's already out and i'm like yeah i guess because it's sunday in the uk already but uh <laughs> yeah i really i really enjoyed it what did you think i loved it uh i've actually watched it twice already oh wow that's great um which is you know, kind of hilarious because I'm so tired right now. I'm not sure how coherent my thoughts on the show are going to be. <laughs> That's all right. I mean, it's but, pretty. Um, but yeah, no, it's uh, it's written by Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett, and, and the late Terry, Terry Pratchett. Pratchett. Well, they wrote the they wrote the book, um, yes. and then the series was brought to life by Neil Gaiman, mm-hmm. and uh, it is. Well, let's just give a summary for anybody who doesn't know what Good Omens is. It's a story about an angel and a demon, the demon who was, in fact, the serpent um, in the Garden of Eden, and uh, and their life on Earth together over the the centuries as uh, as we rapidly approach uh, the end days. Yes. And they don't really want the end days to <laughs> yeah, because they've been on Earth longer than any other uh, not uh, ethereal beings, and uh, and they actually really enjoy Earth and all of the little nuances of humanity. I like how uh, the demons in the show kept saying that uh, David Tennant, who plays um, the demon in the in the story, uh, they kept saying he's gone native. <laughs> yeah, Crowley. Well, it's funny, David Tennant in an interview uh, in describing the relationship between the angel and demon. He's like, yeah, they both kind of gone native. So it's, it's so much a very um, English expression, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Um, but it's absolutely wonderful. Da- uh, David Tennant plays uh, Crowley, uh, mm-hmm. who I said is the demon, and Michael Sheen plays. Um, oh gosh, Xenophel. Yeah, Xenophel. Um, and and uh, they were both there at the fall of man at the Garden of Eden, and uh, and it's just. If you're a fan of Douglas Adams, I think this show is right up your alley because the writing is so on point with Douglas, Douglas Adams style. Um, but it's all looped around religion and the choices people make and whatnot. And it, it's so delightful. It, it's a delightfully lighthearted look at, at, Religion, the end of the world <laughs> and the end of the world and 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 people's viewpoints on the end of the world and and whether man deserves to leave or not you know um, well it totally makes sense that you got the douglas adams vibe off of this show because I, I was telling you the other day i listened to an interview with neil gaiman and he said that he wrote this pretty immediately after working with douglas adams because one of his first big gigs was as an assistant to douglas adams writing the companion guide to the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. So he was coming right off of that and went into writing this. And he, he told this story about, you know, he wrote the intro um, w- definitely with Douglas Adams in mind and then uh, had Terry Pratchett read it. And Terry Pratchett's like, no, this is brilliant. Like, I think we can take this somewhere. Let's let's team up. Let's do something. So. That oh, was it's like- delightful. The whole opening and 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 even the way it's uh, put together, uh, the way it's edited, the way it, the speed at which it's delivered, um, it, it just screams classic Douglas Adams, and it's 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 fantastic. Um, it's like all the best, all the best of like high high intellect British comedy is all there in the first like two minutes of this series. Yeah, exactly. Everything from the weird little animations, you know, a la uh, Monty Python's Flying Circus to uh, to uh, even the most recent uh, versions of Douglas Adams' own works um, with uh, Hitchhiker's Guide and whatnot. That 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 style, that very British style, is is wonderfully on on point (laughs) in this whole series, but especially in the opening couple of minutes. Yeah. What I really, I mean, I enjoyed, so last, uh, last fall, whenever I was commuting back and forth to College of the Desert, I, uh, I got on this kick of doing audiobooks. Mm, and love audiobooks. One of the, yeah, one of the things that I picked up was there was a radio play version of this, of this book. And, uh, and so listening to that versus watching the television show, like there were a lot of similarities and I could see how doing that was probably a great transition from like, taking the book through to the film um, because, you know, you could see the, the trajectory of it as, as a, as a play, as a piece like that. But then, you know, um, even though I had listened to that, there were still some things that were very unexpected in watching the television version. So uh, I thought that was really neat, like seeing the evolution of the story and how it, how it behaved in different mediums. So that was really neat. (laughs) Cool. Yeah. Um, so th- the interesting thing about the series too is it's only what six episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's fairly short. 
Um, yeah, so it's a, it's a great binge series. Like you can yeah. sit down and binge it in a, in a, in a day easy. Um, and I think it plays exceptionally well in a binge format because it's just, it just rolls so fast. The whole, the whole season just rolls real quick and every episode's jam packed with information and, and humor and drama. And, uh, I, I'm glad I didn't have to wait in between episodes to keep, keep going, you know, cause once I started, I couldn't stop. Yeah. It was nice that they released it the way they did. I, I couldn't imagine, uh, having to wait week to week for the rest of that series. Yeah, totally. It's, um, and I think that's one of the fun things with the, uh, the streaming services is we, we get this opportunity now to, to see long form storytelling the way it's meant to be, which is, you know, all the episodes run back to back to back to back. And, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's really enjoyable for me. It's easier to remember the nuances of those early episodes as you get towards the end, you know, see threads coming together. Exactly. Um, one thing that I thought was really fun. So John knew nothing about this show at all. Like uh, I probably John, my husband. Yeah. I I probably mentioned it to him a couple of times whenever I was listening to the audio uh, series, but um, I, I was sitting down to start to watch it. I'm like, Hey, do you want to watch this? Should I wait for you? And he's like, ah, well, you know, and I kind of gave him the spiel. He's like, eh, I'm like, hold on, watch the trailer. I played the trailer and he looks at me and he goes, okay, yeah, wait for me. It'll, I'll be 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the way they put that together was, I mean, really enticing for people who knew nothing about the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like a huge, and, and this is a big thing in the book as well, but, what was hugely important for me, at least for the, the tempo of the show was the use of queen music. Right. Uh, so well done. Yeah. The, yeah. Every yeah. show. Um, and, and always played by Crowley, the demon. Yes. Um, yes. And, and kind of narrated the course of his existence. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> which was, which was fantastic. And, uh, you know, timely because Queen's so popular right now too. Like, uh, kind of neat. Um, l- let's get into performances because I think part of the writing on this is brilliant, and we've we've talked about the writing quite a bit already. But I think what really sells this in the end is the two leads, uh, David Tennant and Michael Sheen. They they are so pitch perfect in their portrayals of these two characters on this show. Um, like I love watching either of them perform, but the moments that their characters come together are like magical moments in this, in the course of the series. Yeah. Uh, they play wrong? off each other. So no, they play off each other so well. And it's interesting seeing Michael Sheen in this character because, you know, I've, I've seen him in lots of other things and he's never, he's never quite so dainty, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've seen him play relatively dainty before, like, um, uh, but never, never like this. Like his take on what an angel should be like is so sweet. Yes. Yes. (laughs) No, I guess I always think of him as like, you know, in Masters of Sex or um, Underworld or, you know, things where it's like totally other side of the spectrum from this character. Mm-hmm. Now it's interesting. I, I saw an interview 
with him or I read an interview with him. I can't remember which it was, but he was talking about, uh, Neil Gaiman's been talking about doing this series with him for a long time. And uh, early on, the idea was Michael Sheen would play Crowley. Oh, really? Yeah. And when Neil Gaiman called him up and said, hey, you know, we're going to be doing it. We're going to make the show. Um, Are you ready? Uh, He was like, yes, yes, of course. Of course I'm ready. He said he hung up the phone and then went into a panic for like a few days because he started realizing, I don't think I can play Crowley. I don't think I can play this character. I, I, I don't I don't know how to play this character. <laughs> and he started freaking himself out about it. And he called Neil Gaiman up and said, Hey, I've been thinking this through and I don't I don't think I'm right for Crowley in the end. Um, I'd be better for a reason fail. <laughs> and <laughs> Neil Gaiman goes, Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking the same. <laughs> Uh, they were both scared to tell each other the same thing. It was uh, pretty, pretty funny to listen to. Funny. I wonder, I wonder what about him changed in the course of that time that he, he felt like, no, this just isn't in me anymore. Cause he's played darker characters before. Not even that Crowley's that dark. He's very like tongue in cheek, you know? Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, you know, as we get older and we start to kind of know ourselves better, we start to kind of realize the things that are more of a stretch. And maybe he felt like those earlier characters were too much of a stretch for the person he actually is now, you know? Yeah. Um, but fascinating. And I think absolutely the right choice when you watch how he performs his angel. Uh, oh, definitely. He, 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 he just knew. Uh, how to play that part. Um, None of it felt forced. It all felt so natural and so instinctive, you know? Um, And then tenant just (laughs) ate up playing the bad guy. I mean, here's, here's, here's a guy who's probably mostly known around the world for playing the quintessential good guy in doctor who. Right. And yes, he's delved into, into bad guys many, many times, um, Jessica Jones, I'm, I'm thinking of, of in particular, mm-hmm. um, but his portrayal of Crowley is so interesting. He's like the rock star demon with a heart yeah, of gold. Exactly. <laughs> but you know what? I mean, I feel like that is definitely, um, a, a through line of tenants characters. They're, um, they're kind of shit disturbers, you know, like even his who, like was kind of his curiosity delved into being mischievous, you know? Mm-hmm. So I would say that Dr. Who could get very angry. Yeah. <laughs> and oh, had yeah, a that's dark true. side to him, you know? Um, that's true. But, but that's one of the things that I love about tenant as an actor is he does such a tremendous job of bring, bringing those multiple layers to a character. Like it'd be easy to play somebody like Crowley. Who's, you know, this, this demon, this, that fell from heaven with, with Beelzebub and, and here it is, he could be completely evil, but is he, you know, like, and that, that's one of the delightful things I think that's played on in this whole series is the angel and the demon who should be in completely stark contrast of each other, somehow find common ground with one another and maybe aren't as cut and dry white and black 
as you would think, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's, it's so delightfully done the way they develop these two characters over these six episodes, especially the third episode when they go through their history together. Oh yeah. Was that the third episode? I watched them so quickly. It was the third episode. I was like, Oh, this is the midpoint of the series. Now we get to see their whole history. Um, and, and it was everything leading up to the opening title sequence. So it's like the longest yeah. intro of the whole series too. It went like yes, it 12 was. minutes, 15 minutes before you get to the title cards. Um, but watching these two play these characters in different centuries through the years, it was so funny and so much fun to watch as the two of them kind of developed with each other. Um, and learn to kind of play to each other's strengths to achieve the things that they needed to achieve for their side. Exactly. <laughs> so one one thing that you brought up, the fact that like Tenet, um, you know, throughout the thing, it's not cut and dry that he's evil. Uh, and for a lot of it, I, I was thinking, oh, you know, he's like evil light, you know, like he's very, again, back to mischievous. But the moment that like pulled into focus for me, it's like, no, no, he's still pretty evil. And this is silly, but with his house plants, the moment with the house plants, <laughs> there's something about the way he played that where I'm like, that got dark. I know they're just plants, but damn, that got dark. He verbally abused all his house plants. <laughs> yes. Yes. And then put the one in the shredder. Yeah. Like, oh. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. yeah. Don't no, forget, he's a, he's a demon. He is a demon. He's evil. <laughs> but I think they really set the tone with the two of them in the first scene they have together. Um, and and this is spoiler territory. So if you haven't seen the series, you know, for the might as well come back for the last thirteen minutes of this episode after you've gone to watch it. Spoiler, spoiler, yeah. spoiler, spoilers. So in the first scene the two of them have together at, on the wall of the Garden of of Eden. Um. Crowley's just given the apple <laughs> to Adam and Eve. They've been kicked out. And Ariza fails like, mm, uh, why'd you do that? Well, why, why is it, why is it bad to know what, what bad is? <laughs> I don't see what's wrong yeah. in being able to tell the difference between, you know, good and evil. <laughs> um, interesting point. <laughs> and, and then Crowley says to Erizafel, where's your flaming sword? Oh, um, <laughs> I, I gave it yeah. away. <laughs> you know, and he's like, Ooh, was that a good idea? What if you did the bad thing and I did the good thing? <laughs> you know, it's like right from the start there, everything about these two mm-hmm. characters is called into question. Um, well, and they so they so often call into question like the concept of on, omnipotence, right? Like uh, if there is a God that knows all and knows what we're going to do before we do it, you know, is there free will? And if there is free will, then is there omnipotence? And, you know, a, a lot of Gaiman's books do that. Like talk about are gods fallible, basically. Well, I liked the way he also approached everything, too, where everybody thought they knew what the plan is. Except mm-hmm. for Rizafel, who always referred to it as being ineffable. Yes. <laughs> and in the end, it's that ineffable quality that allows them to do the things that they do, right? Like, because nobody really knows what the plan is from God. Um. And the bit at the beginning where God's explaining 
what God does with the universe is like playing poker where <laughs> the dealer's constantly smiling at you. Yeah. <laughs> Just cracked me up every time I watched it. I also like that the voice of God was um Francis oh McDormand. Gosh, I can't Francis McDormand, yeah, from uh Three Billboards. Yeah. I very much enjoyed her her tone for God. Yeah, yeah. I also I, I so enjoyed so many of their casting choices too. Like you you referenced um the first scene with Adam and Eve. They went with a black Adam and Eve, yeah, which, which is, is you know brilliant. historically more accurate. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And but, and raised a bunch of people's ire on Twitter, which is not a bad thing either. Oh really? Yeah. I didn't even yeah. I didn't even catch that part. I think that was great. It's like, yeah, let's be for reals about this. I mean, if there was an Adam and Eve, this is Middle East. They are probably very darkly complected. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I mean, they picked two beautiful performers for Adam and Eve. It's like spot on. Um, and then just like all of the casting in general, like you said, like Tenet to play Crowley. Um, well, John, John Hamm so- as Archangel Gabriel. <laughs> oh, Lord. Yes. <laughs> so John smug. Hamm and- <laughs> he, he plays those characters so well. Um, there was one person that I was, I, I commented to John. I'm like, I'm so surprised that they cast, uh, an American actor in that role, uh, which was the witch finder general, um, uh, Michael McKee. Oh yeah. Uh, Shadwell. Uh, he did a great job. I was just really surprised. I'm like, okay, all right. Well, um, I thought his Scottish accent was wonderful, and he was a, a hysterical character. Oh, the whole Witchfinder General storyline in this was amazing. <laughs> but I guess if we're being honest, like he's he's done a fair amount of British television. I think he was in a couple Doctor Who episodes, and then he did, uh, you know, this is Spinal Tap and all that. Yeah, well, he's a whole part of that Christopher Guest uh, troupe, yeah. so. Uh, this kind of performance is right up his alley. But, uh, but yeah, I thought that was no. Yeah, the casting across the board. Uh, there wasn't a single person who I was like, really, that person. Um, I really enjoyed the scenes, the 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 way they portrayed heaven and hell. Um, heaven's like an empty office building, all white and windows, and hell was like. Hell reminded me of like uh, Pink Floyd's The Wall, where the kids are marching to the meat grinder. Oh yeah, you know, <laughs> like yeah, just that kind of like player. working with no purpose kind of <laughs> setup. Um, so in the one, it's like the pristine office building, but it doesn't look like anybody's actually doing anything in it. And the other one is like the worst working conditions in the world and everybody's working, but it doesn't look like anybody knows why they're working. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, and the toads and stuff on the demon heads and, and whatnot, I found hysterical. Yeah. I thought that was great. The way their little hands would move across their foreheads and stuff. (laughs) Was that, so was that CGI or was that a practical? I think those were practical. Those are great. So, um, and Beelzebub is always uh, followed around by a cloud of flies. Um, yes, which is perfect. And Beelzebub was a, was a female too. Well, and a lot of, so, um, 
a lot of the the riders, the horsemen were women as well, but they, I love the fact that they never referenced them as women. They always, uh, continued with the vein in the book where they called them, you know, male or he, you know, yeah, he, uh, cause war was a woman and, um, uh, uh, um, it's pestilence, but it was uh, replaced by pollution. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it's such a fun show, um, just across the board. I, I've never read the book, and I hadn't heard the radio drama. Um, so for me, I went into this completely fresh, just knowing the two leads, basically, and knowing that I, I've appreciated Neil Gaiman's uh, projects in the past. Um, but boy... Uh, was I just floored watching this? Like I said, I started watching it on a Thursday night. I started at what, like 6 PM and I didn't stop till I was done. <laughs> and I was laughing the entire time, the entire time. It was great. And I'm sure that you can appreciate because you are a doctor who fan. There were a lot of doctor who references and Easter eggs oh, loads of in them. good omens. loads of them. Uh, to start with, I love that David Tennant finally got to be a redhead. <laughs> <laughs> My ginger. Um, yes. It's also interesting, too, because Neil Gaiman, I believe, has written for Doctor Who, and so did uh, Douglas Adams. So. Oh, yeah, I believe you're right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think both of them have. So, right up their alley. Yeah. Um, so I have to say, because you liked this so much, another show that you might want to check out that's also Neil Gaiman is American Gods, because it's a similar vein of um, storytelling and, you know, the, the British humor. Mm. I've heard from a number of people that I need to check out American Gods. So I, I, after watching this, I'm, I'm definitely more intrigued to do so. So, Yeah. I've not yet watched the television series, but I've read the books and really enjoyed them. So um, if, if their way of uh, communicating it through, through a film medium is the same as what they did with Good Omens, I, I would imagine it's a really excellent show. <laughs> Plus star-studded, like every time I turn it on, they're like, and this person is, you know, like a bazillion actors. It's like, oh yeah, know that person, know that person. They're great. This <laughs> <laughs> would be wonderful. So... Well, Whitney, thanks for sitting and chatting with me about Good Omens. Oh, you're welcome. Um, before we go, can I just, uh, I was looking at Neil Gaiman's Twitter, and I feel like we should put this out there because he's such a, a gracious writer um, and creator. He said, um, and this is 22 hours ago, a big thank you to all of you who have discovered Good Omens and are spreading the good word. It means a lot to the people who made it. So, all right, we're spreading the word, Neil. <laughs> <laughs> cool cool um yeah so uh this has been our good omens episode of sci-fi sunday um if you uh haven't checked out the rest of our episodes be sure to check them out on itunes or google play music or i think we're not on iHeartRadio yet but we're working on it and uh and uh, you can always go to the intellectual website at the intellectual.com to check out all the episodes of sci-fi Sunday, but you can also check out our parent podcast, the intellectual podcast of which Whitney and I are co-hosts where we talk about film and, uh, regularly interview other creative individuals in the industry. Um, it's a great show and we've got 250 something episodes available to listen to out there. So uh, make sure you check that out. 
And, uh, you know, Whitney, again, thank you so much for sitting down with me and chatting about Good Omens. And um, Yeah, no problem. You know, I hope, I, I hope, and I don't know if it's possible, I hope that we see more like this. Maybe, I, I don't know if there's a possibility for a season two on this, but uh, I'd be down for it. These characters are great. You know, e- even if there's, I mean, they, I feel like they left the door open that there could be. But even if there's not, there's so many other great books by Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett that could easily become uh, cinematic stories. You yeah, know? I hope it happens. <laughs> I'm I sure so it will. Too. Yeah. So cool. Well, until next time, everybody. Thank you for joining us on Sci-Fi Sunday. Thank you so much, guys. <laughs>